My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. Um, you know, I still learn things about it all the time. It's that kind of brand, though. Right? Yep. There's a lot yeah, it belongs to the people. And, yeah, I find it funny because for as transparent of a brand they are, they're also this, like, super mysterious kind of yes. um, entity, right? It's Yes. Um... Hey, welcome back to Lost in Translation for part two of James Bourne and Compass Box. Enjoy. It's... Yeah. The w- willingness to be bold, I, I respect all that. Right. Like, can you imagine the whiskey landscape without comma spots? Like, no. no like, no. like, they need... It, that's it another, has to be part of it. That's another barrier that Compass Box, that John Glazer himself broke down, personally, I believe, is, like, that willingness to create some bold branding and some interesting bottle designs and to, like, sit on on a limb and be creative because if you look, like, if you actually go, go online and look at all bottles that kind of predated even even 2010 right it's a lot of very very boring text boring labels boring everything it just looks old yeah yeah for sure and i feel like it like breaking those barriers down how like how many brands have you seen rebrand and recreate logos in the last decade every single one of them because they're going to get left behind if they don't yeah Okay, so I, I do need to share this as part of the story because a lot of people probably don't realize. You should go if you ever get a chance to Stranger and Stranger's website, and you'll realize that everyone has ripped off Compass Box. Like you know, all the brands out there that have used Stranger and Stranger, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I read an, an interesting interview with the owner of Stranger and Stranger. He talked about how, not that there's a first right of refusal, but they definitely try to save their most interesting ideas for Compass Box. Um, because of that history and that's that's the kind of original relationship but like all the bacardi single malt rebrands that was like the altmore craig alecky brackle that was all done by stranger and stranger like innocent gun um the crack in rum there's a theme right you can if you go into a liquor store and you walk down the brands you can recognize the stranger and stranger products like really easily and it's half the liquor store now Mm -hmm. like everyone's just and apparently the most common thing they got in the early days was like people would literally say, can you do for us what you did for compass box? Yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah. Cause when you see a compass box label, you know, it's a compass box label. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no, there's, there's very few other brands in any whiskey <laughs> genre that, you know, can stand apart and have that level of artwork that also tells yeah. a story that also, you know, conveys what's inside the bottle as well so there's an exception coming i will i don't know if you guys have seen it yet but one of the upcoming releases this year is called experimental green oh, I, haven't uh, seen it. I don't you can I don't, google I haven't it seen it i haven't seen it but i want it yeah it's uh it's it's basically peated grain whiskey oh that is experimental grain yeah so Who i mean you guys have that? probably heard the stories of some of the crazy stuff that goes on at Loch Lomond Distillery. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, We're they, they got their hands on some of that stuff. Okay. So, of course, if you put, you know, if you put peated uh, malt whiskey through, a, like, a Lomond still, you don't have single malt. You have green whiskey. 
right? Because it's gone yeah. through all the rectifiers. That's right. Because yeah. it wouldn't be able to classify as a symbol. No. no, they would not. That's interesting. Right? So that's, yeah. Stay but tuned. it is actually peated malt. Yes. Peated malt. But yeah, there's no grain in the in the batch at no. all. Also, oh, it's not like they went and peated corn or something. No, no, nope. no. That would have been sweet. no. They're not American. That's somebody, just crazy. Somebody, somebody needs to do that. Like peated, peated wheat. Peated wheat. <laughs> peated wheat. <laughs> Get some yeah. Irish turf and <laughs> some local. Some turf. Turf. <laughs> the other, the other special release that's coming this year, I think, will raise people's eyebrows in Alberta. So they tried to um, make a whiskey that embodies the color coral. <laughs> what is that, like a blue tinge? Oh, it's the circle. So it was the um, the bartender competition that they do. Of course, the first one was with the Tamdu, the one that really tasted like fun and summery. Mm-hmm. And this is the, yeah, this is the, the sequel to that. Hmm. So that'll be coming out at the end of the year. Interesting. Yeah. Um, along with a okay. uh, new flaming heart. Let's get into, I'm sure you guys are already into it, but let's go, go over the, actually before you go over the composition of no name number two, mm-hmm. um, quick question. What do you think has been compass boxes? Most revolutionary release. Oh, good question. Well, I, I think when people look back, the release that will really stand out as like at the iconic bottle of compass box is not going to be the general. I think that it's hard to argue that that's not the best thing they've ever released, but I think this is not a luxury whiskey is the one that really stands out to me. Mm-hmm. It just checks every compass box box. You know, it's got old grain whiskey. It's a really unusual blend of ingredients. The packaging is just so wacky. There's like a subtle message underneath. Like it checks all the John Glazerisms to a T. Totally. So that's that's the one for me that that strikes me. Yeah. Plus, and the other thing is, it was a great whiskey, like a truly great whiskey, stunningly great whiskey. Yes. That that also was unlike anything else that I've ever tasted. So yeah, that's that that would be the one. That and maybe the three-year-old deluxe. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting that those came out back to back because to me they're just like pillars of the company's release history. Yeah, like just 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 absolute stunners. (laughs) And they were back in the spits in the face. Stick it to the man. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But um, but both of those whiskeys need lots of air to show their best. Yeah, that's what you keep saying. I've, yeah, I've only ever had a common samples. thing with compass box oh. and I don't know why that is. I mean, look, we've all, I, in my early days, I worked for Berkladdy. I thought a lot of Berkladdy's, especially older ones are like that, where they, they kind of smell waxy and kind of dumbed down and then they open up over time. But, um, yeah, I, I found that with a lot of older compass box releases that they really need air to come to their own. Um, some of the myths, the, actually the myths and legends one and two were a little bit like that too. They didn't show, like, the neck pores were really unimpressive. Um, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit, too, because the, the magic think, task is like that for me, too. But Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you think that that's something that's, like, it's not something you can predict, but do you think that's something that John Glazer would want? He'd want, like, his whiskey to have a, a further journey than the first cork pop, or you think that's a consideration? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't I, know. I, I, I genuinely like you can't, don't know the answer to that. You can't I don't think everyone agrees whiskey, with me on this, either. Yeah, you can't create a whiskey hoping that it evolves for the better because you have no idea how the air is right. going to actually treat it. So. Well, and you guys know that like it's very unpredictable. Like I'm sure you all have bottles that have been open for like five years that still taste fresh, and then other ones that have like fallen off after six months. 
it's it's really hard to predict how a it, bottle's it, gonna evolve. Yeah, it really is. I the way I keep the humidity up in my office is I just bring Sean in here and talk about Billy Walker. It gets him sweating enough that it increases the humidity. <laughs> but what's uh so what's the no no name too? What's in this? <laughs> yeah, so the big change here. Uh, there's actually something in this. The, the core ingredient is actually something fairly unusual, and uh, that is it is sherried Kalila. I mean, how this many sherried Kalila releases? Yeah. yeah, that everybody says that because Man. every everyone that took the first sip of this thought they were about to get an even more art baggy art bag, <laughs> yeah. and instead it was the most compass boxy compass box. See, I really like I really like No Name Number Two. I don't know what. Yeah, no, is. it's. I think it, if if you were trying to make a case that No Name Two is genuinely disappointing, like I would love to hear someone try to articulate that, because I just don't think it's possible. I, I think it's a very cleverly constructed whiskey that's just very different than the other two No Names. And why would you I want it to fact, be the same? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Know. Yeah. Who wants the same? Same is boring. Yeah. If I want the same, I'll go to a distillery and buy their distillery release. Yeah. And here's yeah. the thing, like, yeah. this is the point that's always missed with Noting 2. If I told you, like, I've got a 14-year-old Kalila from Refill Sherry that's just, like, bursting with tree fruit, you'd be like, yeah, where, where do I get one? <laughs> like, who would say no to that? Yeah, yeah. nobody yeah. would say no to it. We, we have a Kalila coming from James Eady that's uh, finished in Palo Cortado that's supposed oh, to be cool. just delicious. But I just realized the only Kalila I have, and I'm not trying to peacock or anything, but it's Booker. a 25 year <laughs> Is a 25 year old. I, I looked up thinking I had something different, but I which, don't. by the way, that is a great example of a whiskey that falls off super quick and it oxidizes really fast. Yes, you are acting very, yeah. Very the the Kalila 18 and 25 fall off like remarkably quickly after you open them. Yeah, maybe you should finish that bottle then. <laughs> yeah, Steve. Hmm. It's still pretty. Um, I, I like because I like soft peat and I feel like Kalila yeah. is like that. It's good for any time. Approachable peat, like it's it's just like a beautiful peat, which is not mm-hmm. hard, it's, not easy it's, to find. It's weird that when they released the twenty five, it was released. What is it? Forty three percent. Yeah, it's forty three. Not it's still filtered and colored. I'm sure. Yeah, and then the thirty year they released as a cast strength, which mm-hmm. like, like I remember the tasting when we had the twenty five, and I was just like, what the hell? Yeah, but I mean, Kalila, like like. They, they, what did I, I did a post about them. They release a quarter of the whiskey that comes from Isla and there's now nine distilleries. It's crazy how much, I know, but it doesn't get the record. It doesn't get the recognition it deserves for sure. No, like, and, it's not seem on the same level as the, the big three. It's just not because no, it and, goes into blends. Yeah. But, but, but even that, like the, the indie bottle Kalilas that you can find are, absolutely stunning yeah and I, i'll you pour them blind for somebody especially if somebody that doesn't know the intricacies of each peated ilo like i i'll put a gordon mcphail kalila that i have on my shelf up against a lot of other single single cask releases from isla oh totally so yeah stay tuned by the way i've got a gordon mcphail cask of kalila coming it's 1997 from first fill sherry what and it's 59.9 percent at that age like this thing is like it's like it wanted to be born into an alberta snowstorm 
Yeah. <laughs> Do you take air miles and air miles? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I told I told the Urquharts. I said, "How many cases will you give me of that?" Because that is like exactly what, I, what I'm always looking for. Yeah, give me all of them. So yeah, we got half the cask for Alberta, which is great. We will we wow. will let you know which store to allocate. To yeah, no doubt. So yeah, no name two. Um, one more thing I'll say about no name two is that this one was really one of the first whiskeys led by um, Jill Boyd. And, you know, if you kind of know how Compass Box works, they, there is a lot of pre-tasting that goes on, right? Someone's screening all the cast samples. And the uh, the first person that did that, I believe his name was Greg. You know, he ended up being hired by White McKay, and he's kind of the heir apparent to Richard Patterson, right? So it's it's quite the job to, to land, and you need to be one of those kind of super taster whiskey drinkers. And Jill is definitely that, um, you know, definitely recognized for being a great taster and, and a great palate and being able to, you know, pump through a hundred cask samples and, uh, you know, have interesting thoughts about them and be able to categorize them. So that's, you know, this, this is kind of her baby. And I think it's interesting that Jill and now James in particular. So, you know, James Saxon, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I think he's kind of the one driving the ship now, really, for a lot of the whiskeys coming out. I mean, obviously, it's still John's company. He's still there. He's still involved. Yeah. I was going to ask. I think James has more hands on the wheel now. And I think that you can kind of see he has a similar vibe to the whiskeys that John has made. Like, a lot of the recent releases, like Canvas and Menagerie are good examples like really have that kind of super balanced, harmonious vibe. And you can kind of see a thread between them. And I think, I think that's James's influence for sure. Because look, John can't be around forever. So, and no. James is young. Like I think he's in his thirties and he clearly has talent. So it's kind of cool to know that Thomas Fox is in good hands, you know, for the next couple of decades here, at least. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, and John, like John, John has set out, to to do certain things and he's i think that he's yeah he's already checked all he's these re, boxes yeah, he's, exactly he's checked the boxes he's obviously he's spent a ton of time building confidence and and uh and like obviously building up people that he can be confident in that can still carry his vision forward but yes. he's breaking but down he's broken down it. all the walls already like there's no yeah. there's really no walls to be broken down anymore besides keep creating really good whiskey and very mm-hmm. interesting whiskey right keep people totally on their toes keep them thinking so yeah yeah it's amazing they were able to achieve that so should we move to number three i'm already on it yeah the number three <laughs> is the one that is like the record scratch in the lineup because it like it really goes in such a different direction from the first two it's so different on the nose like right right off the bat it's yeah so this this one obviously is lefroy driven um, for those of you that you know follow along and and read the those tech it's sheets, fair. yeah. Okay, wait. Before so, you get going, I had a question to ask you before each of these. Sure. What we talked about Compass Box's most revolutionary release. Mm-hmm. What do you think Compass Box's most innovative release is? Yeah, innovative. Yeah, there there's so many of them, but they all have a twist to them, don't they? Um. <sighs> probably the story of the Spaniard because to, to be able to put like a category that is so well-trodden sherried whiskey and to be able to add a new chapter to it like that, that's hard that the degree of difficulty on that is like super high. 
Absolutely. And and to achieve it and to be successful, that that seems like the type of innovation that we need in the whiskey world, not just like throwing a dart at a board and being like, you know, we've heard every story, right? Whether it's, yeah, name it, aged at sea or, you know, actually got a real fairy to fly around in the barrel. Like it's all been done. (laughs) Or putting stuff in a rye cask and somehow it translates to a pirate. <laughs> but yeah, Oops, me, we yeah. fermented this for too long. Yeah, yeah no, the, the Spaniard to me is is not like there's marketing there, but there's actual real innovation behind that product, which is like would be hard to duplicate that. Like if someone said to you, like create a shared whiskey that's genuinely innovative, mm-hmm. like what would you do? And I can cons- tell you who wouldn't do something brand new and different. No, Billy Walker, but. The, the release was also <laughs> the release was also very considerate in the fact that yes. like we're we're gonna put this this bold cool product out so that every drinker can buy it and drink it no matter your yeah. budget right like a, a budget typically is a hundred bucks or more kind of thing and they've yeah that that that's what I respect the most of it for sure mm-hmm. yeah I find, look, all the I releases find... have stories and we could talk about yeah. each of them. We could. I find I lean. Maybe that'll be the, the spinoff podcast. We're never gonna yeah. leave. <laughs> I find myself I lean lately a lot to the single grain stuff, just because I've, I've really dedicated um, myself to try and get more into the single grain category this year. But looking back at some of the ones that we did with the tasting that you came up here for, and it was the stuff with the single grains that kind of stuck out obviously there was like the arcana before it came out that was cool but um yeah the single grains kind of capture my attention and kind of hook me in and then i mean you could pick any bottle and see it's yeah. most innovative really yeah no you, you could for sure make the case for the hedonisms and yeah it is true like all the hedonism releases are very distinct from each other and now you look like this new experiment for grain i mean it's kind of a hedonism really um technically i mean it's obviously a different flavor camp but um you know it's it's quite an interesting family of whiskeys that all kind of have their own unique story to tell yeah yeah peated this is one that i'm gonna keep for a little while just because it's i went through a bottle yeah you know i've I've always argued actually that the hedonism the muse is on par quality wise with anything they've ever released but you know, there's always an asterisk, like it is still green whiskey. And for some people, that's a deal breaker, right? It can never, like, it doesn't have that harmony on the palate of the great old malt whiskeys. But if you're just basing it's, it on complexity, yes, it's it is right at the top. It is as expressive and vibrant of a whiskey that I've ever tasted. And just and layers and layers and layers to it. For sure. And it, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it, it impressed me so much that I, yeah, I just had to have it, honestly. Yeah. And I, I opened years ago, I opened one and drank it, and this one's been safekeeping for quite a long time. But Yeah, I saved one too. Yeah, yeah, there's something about it too that just feels significant. It feels like important. There's a, yeah, I don't know. Like some of the releases feel like, okay, this is just, like when I open Menagerie, it's like this is a whiskey that's just bound to like be shared and pounded and move on to the next one and just enjoy. <laughs> that's what the use is... Yeah, the muse is is something that feels special. There's just something like it, it feels precious. 
Yeah, it is. It, it's also a scotch, or yeah, it's a scotch. It's a green scotch, but it's it's a um, it's a scotch that I actually recommend to a lot of people trying to get into scotch because I feel like it's um it's it's just such an approachable approachable whiskey that you get you get because of the grain component of it you can really tie a bourbon drinker into into drinking yes. scotch using it right because it's got it does have a lot of the characteristics of of a, of a malt and a single malt but it also has those like vibrancies of a of a grain or a, or a bourbon or, or something yes. like that so. well something i always recommend for people with hedonism especially people on our kind of side of the ledger that have whiskey collections and enjoy exploring you should have a bottle of hedonism around to mix with single malts purely for experimentation because it mm. it really is eye-opening mm-hmm. um how it plays with different types of whiskey heated whiskeys sherried whiskeys um it, it really is interesting to, to blend it off and uh you know how, how often do you get to do that but hedonism the way it's built totally allows you to do that it's so. yeah it, it's a beautiful whiskey it's still one of my favorite summer whiskeys i drink it on ice totally. all summer yeah. long i yep. just love it like it's yeah. speaking of blending your own did you blend did all you three? mix all three yeah, gotta, uh, can we talk a little bit about the no name three first before we go on to the yeah, I sure. just want to like the no name one twenty three. I don't know. We don't, yeah, I mean, we don't have a little to bit talk before about, about how sometimes you can taste the specific components. No name three, maybe of all the compass box releases I've ever tried, you can distinctly taste the main ingredients separately within the whiskey. Yet they they still work together. It's it's really kind of fascinating. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, like what would you compare this to? Oh man! Well, I was actually—it's hard. I don't it's even a know. Hard question. I don't even know. Yeah. You know what? No. Um, there's so the old Perth, obviously. Like, if you want to talk about pretty old blends, the BC exclusive twenty-three old Perth that had Bowmore in it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. it's obviously it's not as as sherry influenced as um the old Perth, but. I think that the distinctiveness of the Bowmore sticks out in this, which is weird because it's the secondary component. Well, there is a little bit of that. The violety note from the Bowmore is in here for sure. Yeah. Like there's a touch of it, mm-hmm. that crystallized violet note. It's mm-hmm. very faint, but you get it more a little bit on the finish for sure. Yeah, that's where I noticed it was kind of, I think it was so balanced on the initial palette that that's what caught me off guard. And then, as I like sat and we were talking, I, I got that like, yeah, the violet floral. Fragrant. It feels like as you drink this whiskey, it starts very Lafroigy. And as the whiskey goes, like the slider moves to Bowmore and it ends on Bowmore in kind of a unique way. That's, that's a great way. Of I don't know if I get that, to be honest. It's yeah. I'm, I don't I, honestly the, go ahead. I don't John. get the Lafroy like, um, like hospital vibe. No, like, that's a good point. For fifteen-year-old yeah. Lafroy, I expected much more of an iodine character than yeah, it has. For sure. Yeah, it, it doesn't have nearly that. But um, like, I'm trying to think. It's like you take other... if you take that part out. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And then you put in like the tr- the tropical fruits in its place. Yeah. That's what happens. And then like Sean that. likes to Sean likes to talk <laughs> talk and drink with his hands. Very, I don't know if you noticed. Very like, anim- he's like very animated. Animated. He's over here. Well, I understood. I understood. <laughs> but yeah, if you um, take that. That's what I. What's what's because I'm just trying to like comprehend what's going on over here. But you said that it doesn't have that iodiny note that you expect. So pull that out. 
pop in some tropical fruits, and that's kind of what gets me at the first because I'm like, do you know not what expecting I, like, it? And then I, you get a did you guys have the a um, more? Did you guys have the the Cabalan peated? Hmm. No, I've had samples of it. Yeah, I get a yeah. bit. Of, okay, so this is this is where my head kind of went because I feel like at like when you first sip it, you get more youthfulness, and it almost like the age shows towards the finish i find in this and i get Almost a lot of 18 that years old and it just keeps yeah. going yeah so like i don't know the for some reason the first thing that kind of popped in my head and, and it was that like just the speaking to the tropical fruit was that cavalan peated almost a little more peated than that but just the just the fact that you're getting a lot of fruitiness with the peat and then it's like all it is a lot of bomor for me on the finish yeah it's it's kind of a little bit thicker yeah. on the palate than the first two. I agree. So that's where that's that's something I associate sticky. with big yeah. time. Yeah, I don't know that it's it's not more viscous, but it's stickier. Mm-hmm. Like if that makes sense. So it's on, yeah, it kind sticks of sticks to the roof of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. There was a a Lafroy that I got a sample a couple of years ago, and it was an older one, like a sixteen or seventeen year, and the the medicinal peat notes was so toned down on it that it like i had to double check with the guy who gave it to me to see if it was lefroy he said it was um that's kind of where i went with this where you take that medicinal note away from lefroy which is always Mm. in your face but they do have a pretty good fruity floral undertone to their discs if you break away that hospital vibe that is true. That's actually very true. Um, this is kind of a controversial take, but I don't know if you guys have had much experience tasting peated whiskeys like Lafroigs and like Lagavulin's in particular that have bottle age on them. So like things that were bottled like 10 or 15, 20 years ago, um, I definitely would contend that there is some evolution that happens in bottle. Now you just, I think the key point that I've always said is that a lot of times people hear that and they think that the whiskey, I'm trying to say that the whiskey is aging in the bottle the way it is in a cask. That's not what I'm saying at all. There's a different type of evolution that happens. And I think sometimes peated whiskeys in particular move in this direction after they've sat in the bottle for a long time. Like those iodine notes yeah. settle down. They get more fragrant. They get more they harmonious. Yeah. If you've ever done like a vertical tasting of um, Lagavulin 12, that's I, I was fortunate I got to do that once. And the older whiskeys, people tended to go to this vibe that you know all the whiskey used to be different and i really feel like there was just some bottle aging happening that was affecting those older bottlings but again it's it's really this is a topic that is still kind of new i feel like in in the business and not everyone agrees on it no but not everybody really like i feel like it's just more of a topic now than it ever has been because there's just well, simply, people are collecting. simply more drinkers and collectors out there than there ever yep. has been right so it's, yeah it's, it's funny you brought that up because there was um a buddy of mine years ago that uh he had a mccallan 12 that he kept in his office and we told him we told him just it was uncracked we told him to crack it because it'll age age in the bottle like it does in the cask he did wasn't really a whiskey drinker but clearly he used to he used to have clients in his office and he'd like only pour little bits and it's like eight years later and i go there and it's still there it's still like cracked half open and he's like oh yeah i I just poured it for 
for this client of mine, I told him that it was a, it's now a 20 year old whiskey. And he's <laughs> I was like, Oh God, what did I do? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, clearly whiskey doesn't continue to mature. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I think I so. like, like we know it's so well studied of how, you know, other drinks, whether it's wine or other spirits do show evolution if they sit in the ball a long time like it's it just seems naive to think that a whiskey just remains completely inert over decades of you know it has to there has to be some air exchange there has to be some chemical processes happening like you would never I, convince me that it's inert yeah i generally enjoy what oxygen does to most whiskeys i, yeah. I like i like the evolution and honestly it's and maybe that's just because I have an abundance, but if it turns a crap, it turns a crap, whatever, I'll move on to the next one. Right. Yeah, like, totally. but it's, it's, it's all part of the, the, I don't know, part of the whiskey's journey in my eyes. There's a lot of people that are very, very anal about not letting oxygen get to, right. Yeah, they're, they're like pumping, pumping gas into the bottle. Pumping the gas out. They're, right. they're sealing right. it up. Doesn't that feel like it spoils the whole point? Like part of drinking a bottle is watching you know, you, you should have it open for a few months and watch it go through its thing. Yeah, like for that's sure. just the respect that a bottle deserves. I remember years ago I read an article saying someone stated that you need you have to drink a bottle of whiskey in one year, or else it's ruined. Yeah, I've and I was also just, read. That I was just article. like, I'm in fucking trouble then. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. No, I will say it's sad when you have a bottle that's been open for like two or three years and you taste it and it's dead and you're like, oh man, there, what that happens? Do? I've dumped it some out because of it, but yeah, it's only like it. I hate to say it. It's only guys like us that or people like us that yeah. have that sort of issue where you've got too many bottles lying around. And in that case, it's more expendable than it might be. Yes. Right. So, well, maybe let's go to the last whiskey, this bonus whiskey, the magic cast, because I think it's a good example of this topic um, because I, I'll be very upfront when I first tried the magic cast. And so just to give you guys the, the Coles notes before, before we do the, and I think, I feel like John Glazer would be very, very pleased, but Sean, the heathen blend of all three of these no names is so good it It is so like you mix them all together i did not see it doesn't taste like any of the individuals it tastes like a new fourth and no name the mouth the mouth feel changes a little bit too like it's more it's a little oilier than each of them it's um it's actually very impressive like i'm really really enjoying that yeah so yeah, anyways, Magic Cask, um, just shifting the conversation here, but uh, essentially what it is, is 22-year-old Imperial, and of course Imperial's a closed distillery, right? We know Chivas took it down and built the new mega distillery, Dalmanac, and I think you guys uh, may have bottled the Dalmanac, is that correct? I recall you saying something like that, anyways. Bottled the Dalmanac, we... Um... No, we brought we just brought a couple cases of a of a Dalmanac from Tramore. Okay, okay. which is a yeah. five year old. Um, yeah, I do know. Someone mentioned to me that they were at a Chivas um, oh, yeah, visitor good. center. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's an Imperial essentially, right? They just they changed the name. They went with new branding. Um, I'm not totally sure what the reason for that is. Someone is going to hear this and be like, "Duh!" You can just Google that, but. It's, um, uh, it's quite in, it's quite interesting and like it's a five year it's a five year old and it's got some beautiful yeah. beautiful color to it but 
Well, something you know, all bourbon. these new mega distilleries have been built, like whether it's Rose Isle or um, yeah, what's the William Grant one, Isle Bay. You know, they, they, these distilleries that make like tens of millions of liters, but they've all been designed to be kind of flexible, right, and make different types of malt um, depending on what they need. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it'll be an interesting space because in theory, at some point, I, I feel like these companies will release older casks of that to the indie bottlers and there'll be some like really cool stuff that hits the market from, from all of them. But, um, anyways, yeah, Imperial, I think, uh, I don't think Imperial necessarily had a great reputation as a distillery. Um, you know, I, I always remember the quote of like a lot of these closed distilleries, there's a reason that they closed. And I, I think Imperial falls into that, but now of course people love Imperial because all the Imperial on the market is like over yeah. 20 years old. Yeah. So we kind of, it's exactly like Brora, right? I'm sure if we all were drinking 12 year old Brora, it would just be okay. But because the ones we've all tried are like 30 years older, you know, you know, we, we have this benefit of trying oh, for sure. incredible we, whiskeys. Like if we had a younger Brora, we might not feel the same. No. Totally. Totally. So anyways, yeah, the, uh, essentially what they did here is, is they found this unique parcel of Craig Gallicky that I believe is four years old from Firstville Sherry that they just felt had this really kind of unusual, vibrant character. And they played with it. They couldn't figure out what to do with it. And in fact, I think when they found it, it was only three years old and it, it may have hit four as they were figuring out what to do with it. Well, they ended up blending it with this 22 year old Imperial, which I have to say on paper, sounds like a terrible idea. Like <laughs> taking this like delicate, old, lovely Imperial and Imperial to me, at least the ones I have that tend to be a little bit more delicate, like classic space in character. And then you've got this like sherried, funky, Craig Like how does that work? And in fact, when you, when you neck pour a bottle of magic cask, it tastes a little bit dyssynchronous for sure. Like you, oh, take, really? you can taste this like subtle old Imperial. And then on the finish, there's this like fiery young spirit that like, sticks out like a sore thumb and i was like what is compass box doing with this like it's i'm like they've this is a complete and total dud like that was my first impression i'm being fully honest and i know people are really yeah that's i was gonna say the what is compass box doing with this i feel like that's the first thing you think every time you crack a compass box but yeah, that's the, total, the total dud the total dud part is <laughs> is not but that's yeah that's interesting honestly can i sean I can't find my magic cast sample. So mark this time, edit it. I'm just going to go grab, I think it's in my camera bag. Just give me one second. Copy that. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys have two quick minutes while he's doing that? I have two kids that are sitting on their beds waiting. Yeah. 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 I think we're on the home stretch here. We're, we're going to probably wrap it up pretty quick. So yeah, we're at like almost yeah. 90 minutes. So yeah, that's what I figured. That's what I was, I was trying to hold on. But James, I uh, mailed your stuff for that 15-year tasting just a couple of days ago. Yeah, cool. Thank you. So there's not, there's no like the bottles are just numbered, and I'll email out because it's blind. So I'll email out the actual lineup, um, like after we're done the tasting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Cool. It's gonna be. You said it's blind, right? Like, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, we'll just go through it. So I've done a series of these like age statement ones. So yeah. we've done 10, 12, we're doing 15, and then I'm doing an 18-year one in April. Cool. Was there any big surprises? 
Um, from like the ten and twelve ones. Yeah. You mean um, you know the uh, in the twelve year the ball bear twelve. We did, and it, it was cool because it was the first one in the in the lineup, and even by the time we made it through everything else, people were still stoked on the ball bear twelve. And Something I've heard about Babbler 12 is that it's better than the 15 and the 18. I've also heard that because I was like doing some research and and like, okay, like maybe I should continue with that. And then I looked into it and I was like, oh, it looks like people are really jamming the 12 and not the other bottles. So I'll just leave it and stick with yeah. stick with the success of the 12 and move on to some other stuff. And then so since then, I've because the 12 year was actually the first one I did. And then I did 10 year. Now we're doing 15. And so I've tried to mix up, um, you know, it's a mix of distillery releases, independent, it's scotch, it's Irish, it's like whatever I can get with a, with an age statement. And that's cool that people probably wouldn't, you know, it's not their first thing that they're grabbing. Right? Sure. So that's yeah, kind no, of the idea awesome. behind the tastings and stuff. So. Well, you will be able to pick out the Glenalkey 15. I mean, that, that thing sticks out like a sore thumb for sure. Yeah. There's not anything really that heavily sherried out there other than Tamdu, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, the Tamdu 15 would be similar for sure. Yeah, yeah they're, they're similar for sure. Yeah. But other than that, there's not not a lot at 15 years old at that value at that price. But, well, they, or it's just that that, that sherried so yeah. heavily. Yeah, most of them yeah. are a higher percentage bourbon yeah. cask or like blended, right? Yeah, something yeah. that happens often when I do tastings of it is people like the 12 more. Oh, the okay. which one? I, the 12 Glenalkey. I think when you put them side by side, like the 12 is just a better drink, but the 15 is such a sherry bomb. Yeah. That, you know, most of the time, you know, I've, I've always said, like, you got to, whenever you drink whiskey, you should always have two glasses going at once, always. It makes you a better taster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really. Does. Well, we do eight glasses at once, so that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but even if you're like just dramming at home, you should you should try to have two. It makes yeah. you a better taster. Cool. I always, yeah. always when I'm like even just watching TV or a movie, I always pour two or three and just sip mm-hmm. them. I don't know why. I just always have, and I think that's probably why. It's just you know, yeah. You get sick of it. you pour like you know a good pour in one glass. By the end of it, you're kind of tired of it so should should we create a hard break here and then go into the magic cask yeah yep okay okay so yeah this this is the magic cask and essentially the point that i'm going to make about magic cask is that this is a good example of those whiskeys that for me needed a lot of air to really show its best and now that it's been open a little bit um, and uh, you guys, of course, have the benefit. Your samples are from the same bottle that I'm drinking from. To me, this whiskey is completely the sister whiskey of Stranger and Stranger. Mm. And the way it's built is very similar, right? Because uh, Stranger and Stranger, I believe, was 22-year-old Glenn Lossie with that barrel wash in it. So Stranger and Stranger, to me, was very much like a layered dessert whiskey. Like, there was all these elements of sweetness that... Like there was the icing sugar and there was kind of the maple and there was all these different sweet elements that all played and it all together, it kind of worked. It was like fireworks. And I think magic cask is a version of that whiskey in a way. And the construction is similar too, right? It's 22 year old Imperial with this four year old unique, you know, heavily active sherry cask of, of Craig Ellicke. 
So and when you nose it now, you'll see there's a lot of like icy sugar type of notes in this whiskey for sure. I was gonna say the sweetness hits on the nose. Oh, it's like a, it's it's almost like a white wine on the nose. It's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. There is that white winey note for sure, like a white chocolate, sweet white. Like, well, it's a little bit funky, right? Yeah, that's what throws it off. But I'd get like, is it, hmm, is it like a little bit link woody? Yeah, I know what you mean because liquid often has that, like, it, it's fresh, but then there's also like a funky yeah, yeah, that's kind of thing what I behind mean. it. Liquid always has that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's fair. I've this it's is so. the first time I've had something imperial, so mine mine was sitting to compare it to. Mine was actually sitting out in my in my truck, so it's like ice cold right now, and it's actually. <laughs> Well, it's actually doing it some justice. It's actually it's very beautiful. Um, I think something bold they did here. This is bottled at forty six percent, which is unusual. Stranger and Stranger, I think, was bottled at fifty two, or mm-hmm. it certainly was cast strength. Um, this this has gone to a bottling strength, but um, really good. Yeah, only five thousand bottles. I, th- I think that is something to note. The uh, the, sure. the quantities of all these releases. Mm-hmm. This is something that genuinely surprises me. I thought that that was going to scale up over time. It hasn't. Like really. even the Velocor that was just released, it's like three thousand bucks. Like the, if anything, I think if you track. In fact, I remember reading this somewhere on the internet. Like the volume that they're doing with special releases has gone down. Yeah, in some regards, for sure. Like the how much? How many bottles of the Menagerie? That's a good question. I'm I'm gonna have to check that because now that you say that, I think usually whiskeys like Menagerie, there's a little bit more, but still, so there's less Menagerie. There's seven thousand bottles of Menagerie, which still is not that much. Yeah, but that's that's well, less than No Name Three. Considering batch batch six of the Glen Alkey ten year was thirty nine thousand bottles. Yeah, right. Wow, and that's um, a and limited can- canvas edition. is only five thousand bottles. Yeah, hmm. so. Yeah, if you were going to try to argue that they're they're compromising on that, like you again, just it, it doesn't really fit the narrative that we know in whiskey, which is you get popular, you you scale your production, eventually your quality implodes, and then you like sell to a big player. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's happened like a million times. <laughs> it's true. Um, one thing that we haven't really spoke to that maybe like a lot of people don't know about is what is john glazer's where does john glazer's love for glen algon and kleinlish kleinlish come from well good question um yeah you can you can find videos of him kind of waxing poetic about his favorite distilleries which um for sure kalila and kleinlish i think are probably at the top of that list and he often talks about how there are these kind of unicorn blends that and and Kleinleash and Kalila are one of those, right? Like he talks about how you have this one whiskey that Kleinleash that is so rich in body and texture, but typically Kleinleash you wouldn't describe as being like a heavily aromatic whiskey. But then you have you have Kalila, which is a whiskey like I would never describe Kalila as being heavy in body and texture. No, but it can be fantastic in a, in aromatic depth. Absolutely. So you can see how those two fit together. Like there's there's something that works there. So no, but I definitely think that 
you, you know, John had access to the the laps right with Jim at uh, at Johnny Walker. He would have tried the very best Kleinleash casks that would have come into the lab. Yeah. And yeah, let's be honest. I mean, I think anyone who had access to all that stuff, like how many distilleries are there where you would say like definitively higher quality than Kleinleash? Kleinleash has a very distinctive like mouthfeel yes. and and quality to it for sure, which mm-hmm. I can understand why. And it's I, there was um uh, there was an article that I read some time ago, and I I can't remember what it was on, but it was someone talking to John Glazer about uh, the way that he views his favorite distilleries. And it was interesting because he actually talked about the fact that like, he's not as, as like, as compass box crew. And this, this interview probably would have been from like mid like 2015 kind of thing or whatever. But when he, now when he like tried a, a distillery or, or someone's, someone's release, it was, he loved it because he saw the compatibility that it would offer with something else that he also loved. Right. Which is completely different mindset than a normal drinker. Right. Like it's crawling into, into the mind of a mad scientist basically where he's just like, it's, I love this. Yeah. I love this, this whiskey because I know for sure it's going to complement this other whiskey that I'm going to blend right. it with. Right. Like that's, and that's crazy. That's something that like none of us could really understand. Cause we don't drink, we don't no. whiskey the same way. I, I was going to say, I've never like popped, like let's say there's a new release of some new whiskey you haven't tried. Like we, you know, Sean and I were just talking in the break there about the, the Babbler 12 and how it has a good reputation. You know, a lot of people probably went on and grabbed one. I didn't try Babbler 12 and immediately think, Oh man, this is good. This would really like blend super well with Highland Park. Like that's just no. not the way that I'm like thinking about anything ever. No, yeah. I said it's better than their 15. <laughs> that's yeah, about all I said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the end of the thought. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, it's better than their 15. But mm-hmm. it's it's just interesting how. Yeah, just I don't know. It, Compass Box, it, John Glazer's created a very, very cool empire for himself. Yeah. And nobody, nobody yeah, I sincerely hope that it keeps going the way it is. And it's encouraging. Like, I, I would argue that, you know, Compass Box has had good years and bad years. Stephen, Absolutely. I know you've been critical of, like, the 2019 releases, which I would be 20, too. Yeah, 2019. Into, well, 20, end of 2018 into the beginning of 2020, I feel that there was like kind of a quality drop other than like stranger and stranger. Um, I don't know. I felt like there was a, little a bit lot of the whiskeys that I think a people bit of are most critical of fall into that, that time frame. So that was when there was For the sure. circle juveniles, the, the, circle, the three myths and legends rogues yeah. banquet was in that period, which a lot of people I know are critical of rogues banquet. And um, yeah, no, I, I get it. I feel like um, Circle could have been Circle and Rose Banquet priced forty dollars cheaper would have been a completely different discussion kind of thing, right? Like I just feel like yeah, I feel like they're a little bit they're a little bit out of their league with a with a few of the releases, not all of them, right? There were some also Mm -hmm. some very very good ones for sure, but yeah, there was definitely a time I, I was big on Compass Box going into that moment, and it actually it actually affected my my purchasing decisions on compass box releases. And now I'm finally. Yeah. Like I, and then I feel like they went into this different gear and 
there's been some symmetry now mm-hmm. after Pete Monster Arcana came out, which I thought like when I tried Pete Monster Arcana, it was like a revelation. I was like, this yeah. is this is an all timer from Comus Box. And then they immediately do, did Magic Cask, Menagerie, Canvas, No Name 3, now Valacord. Like they're on a, an absolute tear in the last year. Yeah. And it's, it's nice because I'm like, you also, I feel like the, the conversation and the positivity shift a bit, right. During the, yes. during that time period. And it's just starting to shift back. Like, man, I remember back in, well, it would have been 2018 or 2000. Yeah. 2017, 2018, when I started on social media and Instagram, like compass box Sunday was a hashtag that was used repeat. It was seriously, it was used repeatedly. People love, and they would, it no. was just that day that everybody like a voice, their, their love for compass box. And I was one of them. And then it was a hashtag that didn't get used for like an entire year. And it just kind of like, I don't know, for some reason they just, they just dropped a couple of rungs. And then now you're starting to see that like positivity start to rise for them, which is good. Cause I, yeah. I've always loved Pumps Box. I, I'd like, I like what they're doing. So I'm if happy. you ever fall out of love with Compass Box or there's a couple of releases that rub you the wrong way, or you feel that the price is wrong for what's in it. Um, just, just go back to the core releases. That's the secret. Oh, I thought you were going to say you would give us our money back or something. <laughs> personally, no, we, personally. Had to, uh, we had to pay off all those um, <laughs> Tobias and Angel reviewers. Oh, on, yeah. on whiskey. You would, have been, you would have been there for a while, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's some vitriol on that on that page. Those people are fools because that was a whiskey that, that left an, a lasting impression on me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, are we at the end here? How's, how's it going? I think we are. This magic cask, I'm going to go get a bottle. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Again, keep in mind, the neck pour of magic cask is highly disappointing. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. I don't just pour it and I've opened enough bottles that I generally don't judge, judge, ever judge a yeah. bottle or whiskey by its neck pour. Have um, you ever had it where you just love the neck pour though? And then the next couple of times you're like, no. Um, but I have had a couple like that. I've had, yeah, honestly, sure. I've had bottles where I will drink the neck pour and not like it knowing that I will like the whiskey and I will actually dump maybe two ounces out and leave the cork out for like a week. Huh. I, I sometimes find there's certain weird, whiskeys that have this certain fire and zest to them right when you pop them. Mm-hmm. And when that's gone, it feels like something has been lost. Yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. like really young Port Charlottes are like that for me. Because you miss yeah. that, you That's get part. like that exuberance, that youthful exuberance. Yeah, kind it of just like, like grabs you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find a lot of the, like the newer distilleries that are coming out, like Arden American, um, like the R- stuff. Rasse. Yeah, the mm-hmm. stuff that's you know only releasing. There's three year and four year olds now. I find like I had a bottle of Arden American before you know the opaque bottles with the little the what do you call it the when they couldn't even call it a whiskey it was just yeah it was like a two-year and with the the gauge on it yeah the first quarter of that bottle i absolutely loved and i was like telling everybody this is insane and then it went went through a buying period where you know buy a bunch kind of gets pushed back to the shelf and then i grabbed it again after and it just changed and it fell flat and i don't know like because it, mm-hmm. it only spent two years in a cask or what yeah. but 
Yeah, I've, I've noticed this. So we, we represent Wolfberg too. And I, I sometimes felt that early releases were like that. Um, you know, they, it, you could tell like, this is good quality spirit, but it was, it was tough to be in love through the whole bottle. But, um, you know, now the releases we're getting, the whiskey's older. They're not quite at 10 years, but it's noticeably more mature and it's a completely different drinking experience. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's a distillery yeah. that I really want to, uh, do a tasting of like, yeah well it's encouraging you know what i i even have maybe i'll get i'll send your kid i have some of these tasting kits that have all the 2021 releases and it was really fun to go through that because what you see is that like the spirit just isn't raw anymore and you're starting to see the direction that they're going and i think it's encouraging i think it's going to definitely be one of those whiskeys that appeals to the enthusiast crowd because it it has a little bit of a unique edge to it um like there is a hint of peat to it right but it's very malt driven and it's not wood driven spirit um it's you know it's it's a bit more subtle and and that's that's kind of cool because i think a lot of the newer distilleries are not going that way no 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 put stuff in the most active casks you can and get it out there yeah. as soon as possible yeah it's le- less less about the the distillate more about the cask right Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's obviously outliers in that, like the one that Steve's bringing in right away. But what's that? Yeah, it's Bimber. Oh, yeah, that's that's they're kind cool. of their own category. They are. Yeah, they're uh, they're the nerdiest nerd nerds ever. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, James, Should we wrap this? yeah, let's wrap this up. Um, I appreciate you coming on. We're going to ask you to come on more for sure. And we, I don't know, man, like yeah, we still have to go through Michter's and yeah, we uh, got, Gordon McPhail and then Romick. We got hours, hours, hours of, I like the sound hours of all of, of that. Yeah. But we're only, <laughs> like, I still, I'm still amazed that uh, Ben Romick hasn't like really caught fire in Alberta. I think there's still that moment's still coming. I it's can't, crazy I can't I have, pass I have new branding. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? Every, everyone in the whiskey looks like a shitty hates book. the rebrand. Do you guys know though that that's that's the original branding? Yeah, no, I know that there's. Yeah, like if you look at, you can look at some old pictures and stuff. But yeah. I didn't like that either. <laughs> so. It's it's you know, weird because I have a couple buddies in Ontario. It's less that's... original on the shelf now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's more like looks like a duty free. Yeah. But, uh, it's honestly it's a it's been so good for the sales. Really? Yeah. People. If if you were a more fringe whiskey buyer, that old packaging was really off-putting because it didn't really look like whiskey. No, for sure. Yeah, it looks more classic now. Yep. I think. Yeah, I mean, no, more generic. Traditional, which more tra- it, traditional yeah, generic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but some people Boring. think it looks like a vodka bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, is the, the juice say, hasn't yeah. changed, though? Like, do they yeah, do no, as much wood experiment? they do as much wood experiment as they use yeah yeah there's um there's two of the experiments are coming in the next kind of couple months there's um a peat smoke sherry that's at 46 percent. thank god their wood and then yeah yeah and then there's something called caramel too which is coming so they have like a caramel malt based spirit that uh that's coming down the pipe and i think it's a little bit older too but um well yeah for the signet lovers we'll have you on again so you can try and convince us to want to drink it that's a, that's that's definitely what we need to do yeah just yeah. a one hour sales pitch and at the end if you don't if you don't make a judgment you if know? you know yeah. james james doesn't sale pitch whiskey he he 
he just drinks whiskey with you that's like yeah, that's yeah, okay think, that's what i mean I think that's more yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the days of selling whiskey by sales pitching it those days are gone yeah, okay are gone for a, sure. a drink pitch where we drink together yeah. i mean yeah. trying to tell someone that like your master distiller is a perfectionist and waited for the perfect moment for the cask like those days are just gone let, no, for sure. Let, just with as far as the Mickers episode, just let us know when you got that bottle of twenty that you can crack crack with us. <laughs> Man, that Stay tuned, gentlemen. Stay tuned. That twenty-year-old is unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we didn't talk about the eighty-year-old this whole time. Let's save that for the next for the next one. Well, we don't. Let Sean, we don't let Sean for... talk about it. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 feel, the... I feel like tr- if Travis was here, he'd he'd grill us a little bit harder. You guys have your own episode. Yes, the guilt. The guilt trips, there'd be long pauses of guilty, uh, <laughs> guilty feelings. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just waiting now for the 82 or the 85 or the hundred. I'm hoping that one of them will yeah. stay above 40% for yeah. at least an 82 year old because McAllen decided to go and shit on the parade of, well, yeah, of that's course. quite the move. By the way, I highly recommend if you don't read it, go and check out the whiskey sponge from a couple, couple days ago. I will. It's it's hilarious. So yeah. they uh, oh. <laughs> basically the title the title of the article was McAllen releases more of Gordon McFans whiskey. <laughs> 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 of course, every it's the un, unspoken secret, right? Oh, absolutely no, I can't. Yeah, I can't worry. It's just so like McAllen to do that. But anyway, that this is a topic for another. Day. I know. Yeah, and um, you know what? Honestly, we love Jeffrey. We thought, yeah, exactly. I love those. Yeah, those yeah. Of course, guys. of course. Um. Anyways, thanks for coming, right. James. Appreciate yeah. it. Let's uh, right, everyone say good night. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Well, <laughs> oh, that was no good. <laughs>